you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You can't predict the future. And it had a phenomenal day. I will not experience that. So please tell me what that's like. It's a lot of anxiety. It's a lot of happiness and joy. It's a lot of tension. I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road. That's the sound of people making money. Zoom employees in Silicon Valley popping champagne at the moment of the company's stock market debut after its IPO. So we led the Series C, and it was a $30 million round, and we did $20 million of that, which was the largest check we've ever written uh, here at Emergence. I mean, we've been around now for 15 years, and that's still the largest check we've ever written. So I call it like uh, conviction capital. It wasn't like pure venture capital. We were convinced that Eric was a great leader, he was onto something, and the fact that people loved the technology was all we needed to make that investment. Have you done the math to figure out what that $30 million investment's worth now? No, but I'm pretty sure we did fine. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, to be honest now, it's, it's less about that and it's more about, okay, let's keep working, let's, let's keep... Uh, finding more stuff to do. Santi Suvatovsky wrote the check to Zoom, a teleconferencing software company, on behalf of Emergence Capital, practically forcing founder Eric Yuan to take their money. He did not come to you and sit at this conference table. You chased him around. We chased him around. I first wanted to understand what he was doing. It was, for me, it's, what are you doing to make this work so well? So it was more curiosity, and then it became an obsession. This works so well, it's changing the way we communicate. We started using it here internally at Emergence, so I realized that he was onto something big. So I did chase him around. I remember driving down to San Jose multiple times to meet with him. They were in a tiny office in a small building in Santa Clara. And I remember Eric waiting for me downstairs and telling me, oh, sorry, the elevator doesn't work. We need to go up the stairs. And I remember those first interactions, walking into the office, seeing the camera on top of a refrigerator, seeing all the boxes lying around. And it's like, instead of getting scared, saying, I love this. And it's they don't have a lot of resources, but they're obsessed and laser focused on making sure that customers have a great experience. So I convinced him to come down here and talk to the rest of the team by telling him, look, we love the product. We want to adopt Zoom internally. So come, tell us your story, and let's make sure that everyone uses Zoom. So he came down without a, without a fundraising pitch. He came down with a sales pitch. And he did something that was pretty risky, which was he encouraged us to download the app and start a Zoom call on the spot. And you know that those real live demos never worked. Never worked. Zoom would gain 72% on its first day of trading, delighting everyone in the room at the NASDAQ marketplace as they rang the opening bell. Did you go out and you know, celebrate and open on the NASDAQ and that kind of stuff? Did you go out and do that with them? I did that. Uh, and it felt uh, 
felt really good to celebrate with friends. I mean, we had um, the team was there. We had early investors. We had customers. So it felt like a family. I've known these people for many years. I've worked with them. And when I came back, I shared this with my wife. It felt like a wedding day because when, when you have your wedding, it's not just the wedding. You've been working on that for a very long time. And then you have the big wedding day where you celebrate with your friends and family, and then you go back to real life. And that real life is, okay, now we're back here. We're going to start talking about kids. We're going to start talking about mortgages. So life goes on, and there's still a lot to do. So that's how we feel about, about Zoom and about being back from that IPO and back to work. I will never write a 30 uh, probably will never write a 30 million dollar check and stand and watch the tickers start to come across because you know you don't know what's going to happen yeah. you can't predict the future and all of a sudden those green arrows come across and it had a phenomenal day I will not experience that so please tell me what that's like I, I mean it's a lot of anxiety it's a lot of happiness and joy and it's a lot of uh, tension and pressure because when we went out, that was the last time that we were able to set the price. And then that's out of our control. What's under our control is execution, product, sales. So it takes a while to figure out that we shouldn't be obsessed with the stock price. We shouldn't be obsessed with customers delivering more value, delivering happiness, and that's going to translate into the stock price. So we know that coming back, all the employees are going to be checking uh, the stock price, like refreshing multiple times a day. But hopefully over time, they'll realize that going back to work is what's going to affect that. By refreshing it 10 times a minute, that's not going to make a difference. You could make the argument. I mean, investors are delighted with Zoom's uh, uh, stock performance, but you could make the argument you priced it too low. Or is that something you just you don't look back at and you say coulda, woulda, shoulda? Uh, we don't look back at that. We price it at uh, the right level. It felt right for us. Uh, we we did what we felt was right for everyone. We also wanted the new investors coming in to be happy and to generate returns. So we believe that everyone should be happy. It's not just customers, it's also employees, partners, and investors are a big constituent of that. So for us, we, we don't think about leaving money on the table. We think about, let's go back to work. Let's keep on building product, let's keep on selling, and let's keep on spreading this happiness to more customers. You've lived a number of places in the United States, but you said that Silicon Valley embraced me. Explain that to me. Uh, when I first moved to the U.S., I moved to Miami because that's what I thought was the capital of innovation and technology coming from Argentina. That's what you hear about. It's like everyone knows someone who lives there. You have a relative or a friend. So we moved to Miami uh, with my co-founder, and we had fun, but it wasn't the capital of technology and innovation that we were expecting. And then from there, we moved to D.C. Our company was doing a lot of government contracts, so that's why D.C. made, made sense. We felt that D.C., even though it was very international, a lot of people rotated and transitioned. It was kind of a transitional 
uh, city people move in, they work for two years at one of those like international organizations, and then they move on. Uh, from there, we moved to Boston, where I spent two years. And when I moved here to California, that's the first time I experienced people asking me what I was working on, what I was passionate about, and people not asking about what do your parents do? What does your family do? And I remember when I was in DC, a question that still sticks in my mind is someone asked me, what's your net worth? I didn't even know what that meant. It's like, I don't know how to answer that. And that's a question that nobody ever asked me here. They asked me, what are you passionate about? And that felt really good. For those who live in the Bay Area, the best Argentinian food would be found where? Uh, uh, my house. <laughs> it's like we, we have people over all the time because we believe that that's, that's the way we're going to experience the Argentinian food, which is not, again, I, I think I can make, I can get a lot of analogies with how we invest. When you're eating here in the U.S., you go out, you eat, they bring you the check before you're even done, and then you move on. In Argentina, the meal is the whole experience. It's like a four-hour thing. It's getting together, sharing that prep time, then enjoying the meat, and then just hanging out. And, and that's how I experience investment as well. It's not about writing the check and the transaction. It's all the pre, then the transaction, and then everything that comes after that. It's the process. It's what you need to enjoy. Because if you think about it, you're starting a company, you're investing, the odds are against you. Chances are things are not going to work out. So if at the end of the day, things don't work out for you as a founder or for you as an investor in a company, at least, have you learned from that experience? Did you enjoy that experience? If the answer is yes, it's like, you're going to try it again. If you didn't enjoy that experience, you're not going to do it again. And this is a learning cycle where you just build relationships, you learn, you make mistakes, and hopefully the next time you're going to make new mistakes. I read somewhere that you have visited half of the countries in I'm the still world. working on that. Uh, so what percentage, if not half? I think I visited about 60 countries before coming here uh, with my wife. We created a list of the countries that we wanted to visit before we had kids, and we backpacked for six months. And we believe that that... That opens up our mind to different people, and it helps us understand different people. When I'm talking to entrepreneurs, they typically dive into, this is what my company does. We're the leading marketing automation for small businesses in the automotive industry. And it's like, okay, like, time out. Tell me about you. How did you end up here? Why are you doing what you're doing? Because when you understand why people are doing what they're doing, then it gives you a much bigger conviction in terms of, yeah, they're going to be able to, uh, I mean, they're going to be able to keep going even when the roadblocks present themselves. And you know this, when you're starting a company, you're going to have roadblocks. If you love what you're doing and you have a strong conviction that whatever you're building needs to be built, then you're going to run through walls. If you're just doing it because, oh, all my friends are starting companies and it's cool to tell them that I'm starting a company, the first time that things get hard, you're going to quit your job and you're going to get a job at Google, Facebook, or one of the safe companies. So that's why understanding human beings 
and understanding their motivations is what enables us to partner with them and join them in their journey, not just as investors, but as partners and friends. So Zoom will continue to grow bigger and you can help Zoom grow bigger. But what's your next passion? What's the next thing on the horizon? At Emerges, we're incredibly thematic. When my partner started the firm 15 years ago, they had a thesis that a lot of people laughed at early on. And that thesis was that software was going to move from on-premise to the cloud. Now, everyone is like, oh, yeah, we knew that that was going to happen. It wasn't the case when, when we started Emerges. We continue to be incredibly thematic because we believe that that enables us as a group to collaborate and then to add value once we invest in a company. Right now, the three big themes that we're excited about are industry cloud, deathless workforce, and coaching networks. And on industry cloud, our main thesis there is that if you think about early days of the cloud, you had to build a horizontal platform because the market wasn't that big. So you have to build something that everyone could use. Now that everything is cloud, you can start focusing on specific industries and you start building those operating systems. Viva Systems, one of our companies, is a great example of how you build an industry cloud for life sciences. And that company used very little capital. They're now an incredibly successful public company. And we're proud partners. We were there when things weren't obvious. The second theme, deathless workforce, is based on this idea that 80% of the global workforce is not sitting at a desk. We take that for granted here. But if you go outside of the valley, even to other places in the US, a lot of people are running around with mobile devices. And that's a supercomputer, and that's what they need to use for productivity. Only 1% of venture dollars go towards that deathless workforce. So we believe in the next 10 to 15 years, there are going to be a lot of productivity applications designed specifically for those deathless uh, workers. And the third one, the coaching networks, is more tied to how artificial intelligence is going to impact workers and productivity. A lot of people think that artificial intelligence is going to replace humans. We believe that artificial intelligence is going to free up humans because it's going to get rid of a lot of the repetitive tasks and it's going to allow us to focus on what we're best at. I'm sure in your job, there's a lot of process and stuff that you do, and you have to do it because there's no other way to do it. But imagine if someone could get rid of that and you could just focus on creating, building relationships. If we could be having the, this podcast and you could be getting like a real-time dashboard. I mean, Santi just looked to the side, so he's not interested in your question. Ask him about this, which is something that he's passionate about. We could be having a much better conversation. I mean, this is a great conversation, but we, it could even be better. So we believe that artificial intelligence is going to change the way software impacts the way we work. And that's going to be bigger than the shift from on-prem to the cloud, and we're just getting started. Santi Subotovsky at Emergence Capital. Next week, Mercy Victoria Grace from Lightspeed Venture Partners with a new twist on the venture capitalist in an elevator story. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. That's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes and at PressHereTV.com.